So this week, our message's focus is going to be on covenant. So what are the covenant names of God that we find in Scripture? So that's our, our thought for today. So I want you to remember that word. So uh, our, our title, our overall title is His Great Name, but the subtitle today is Covenant. Have you guys noticed that in books these days, they love to put titles, but the, the uh, subtitle of the book is often like way longer than the book title. Have you guys been noticing that when you go to the bookstore? I notice it. It's kind of funny. So I, do, I kind of do that with the messages sometimes, but not, I guess, today. The covenant name for God is Yahweh. So that's what we're going to focus on today. So uh, here's a quote for you. This name was so unique and powerful that God formed a covenant with his people based upon his revelation. Let me read that again. This name was so unique and powerful that God formed a covenant with his people based upon his self-revelation. Think about that. Just based upon his self-revelation, he was able to form a covenant with his people. You know, we use these words, we say these words, we learn these words, but but they have so much power in them. So much power in them. Uh, For us, Yahweh translates into English as Jehovah. That's how it translates into English. You see, Yahweh occurs, listen to this, Yahweh occurs 6,800 times in just the Old Testament, 6,800 times. Isn't that amazing? God is trying to get our attention with this word. Don't you think? He's trying to get our attention. So we have uh, eight things to go over today, so I'm not sure how we're going to do. We get, sometimes I go quick, sometimes I go slow, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully we can get through them all. So the first one today is Yahweh Jireh, or Jehovah Jireh, and that is the Lord will provide. I want you to write that down. The Lord will provide. So our scripture reference uh, for that uh, name is Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. It says this, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it uh, is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Isn't that amazing? The Lord will provide. Uh, remember this. I read, that, I read this this week. I thought it was so great. Just a quick little phrase. There is always a ram in the thicket. <laughs> and uh, it, it comes from this uh, passage in Genesis 22. Remember that. There's always a ram in the thicket. We know God provided Abraham a ram in the place of Isaac. That's what he did. All right. So there's always a ram in the thicket. I love that. I, I had to share it. Uh, this name is a testimony of God's deliverance. deliverance. So when we say this name, uh, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will provide, it's a testimony to God's deliverance. He will provide. Here's a quote for you. God's severe testings in your life are not merely meant to test and prove your faith, but also to give you a chance through your obedience to test and prove his faithfulness. Let me read that again. God's severe testings in your life are not merely meant to test and prove your faith, but also to give you a chance through your obedience to test and prove his faithfulness. That's what it's about. Remember this. There is always a ram in the thicket. Oh, I love it. I'm going to put that on my house. What do you say, Arlene? Over the front door? There's always, oh, it's so good. Oh, man, I should have painted it with that tar I was using yesterday. Okay. Painted, oh, I would have been amazing. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be a sideshow our house by the time I'm done with it. Okay. That's why Arlene doesn't let me touch it. All right. Uh, so uh, I love this thought of uh, the Lord will provide, that God provides. 
excuse me. I have a little a personal a testimony just to share about God's provision. I was taking a course at seminary uh, a few years ago. I think it was uh, it was at least three. No. Yes, it was three years ago. Well done. I can remember. Okay. So it was a couple years ago. And I remember uh, someone was supposed to give me money to pay for the course. All right? Because I didn't have the money. So uh, someone was supposed to give me money for the course. And you know when someone's supposed to give you money for something? And it's, it, maybe it's, not just, it's more than 20 bucks. Right? Or it's more than five bucks. You feel a little, like, guilty. At least I do for asking for the money. Like, they said they would do it. But come on. Like, they really helped me out. So uh, I was I was in a bit of a pickle. So I was like, so the uh, I signed up for this course, and I was like, man, this uh, this so and so is gonna pay for it. It's all good. And so I got a call, and I'll never forget it. Uh, I got a call because it was on my birthday. They called me. I was like, happy birthday, and they said, are you taking this course? And it was one of those courses where you. I, um, I'm not very good with memory stuff, so I take all my courses like like one week long. I go to school for a week, and I take the exam, and I ace it. You do that over three months for me, forget about it. It's not happening. <laughs> oh, man. So I always do. So that's the courses I take. So uh, anyway, so I was taking this course, and uh, they called me on my birthday, and they said, you have to pay for your course. And I, pl I played a bit dumb. I said, oh, it's not been paid for yet? And uh, they said, no. And uh, I said, okay. So I, I was like, oh, I was kind of sweating. I'm like, what am I going to do? So I said, well, wh like, what is the minimum payment? That's <laughs> that was my question. And they said, uh, you got to I think it was like 300 bucks was the minimum payment. And I was like, oh, Lord. So uh, my birthday, just so everyone knows, just so you don't have to worry about it anymore, is December 23rd, all right? So two days before Christmas. So when it's my birthday, you know what my bank account looks like? Zero. There ain't nothing left in that sucker. It's over until the new year. And uh, all the Christmas stuff has been sorted out, and it's just done. So here I am sitting and uh, sitting at my desk, and I'm like, what, Lord, what do I do? So I... I honestly, I, I don't know if it was my last $300, but it felt like it was, I, I was searching through the bank accounts to find money, and uh, I felt like it was really our last $300, and I said, okay, God, I have to take this course. It was actually uh, for some of my pastoral certifications, so I needed this course to get some certification stuff, and uh, so I said, Lord, I have to do this, so I'm going to put basically our, our last $300 down, and we're just going to have to live by faith. So what was amazing about it was I put the deposit down and uh, I paid the money, the $300, whatever, and we went through Christmas. And uh, I had, there was two occurrences. One was a speaking engagement I had. And then there was another occurrence where on two separate times within the next 10 days, I got two $300 checks. Boom, just like that. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. And so, uh, and the best part of this uh, whole thing was I, I took the course and the person that said they'd pay for it actually came through and paid for it and it was all, all, all great. And so I got a call about a month after taking the course and from the school and they said, uh, he, we just wanted to update you on your account status. And I was like, whenever you get that kind of call, I don't know about you, but I'm like, oh Lord Jesus, what happened? And uh, I'm like, I thought you provided. No. Uh, and uh, so I take the call and uh, on the other line, the guy says, you have a credit of $600. I was like, what? And I said, so what you're saying, because <laughs> I didn't believe him. I said, so what you're saying is that I've paid for the course, and I still have $600 left over? And he said, yeah, that's right. I said, wait a second, because I, I, uh, it's uh, the school I did my undergrad at. I know they just take your money, all right? So I didn't believe this. I said, you're saying that I have $600 to the positive. He said, absolutely. 
And from, from that point on, I realized, God, I sacrificed my money up front. I, it was all I had. And on the back end, God absolutely basically provided the whole cost of the course plus the cost of the next course by the time it was all said and done. And so the truth is, is that our God, wait for it, is our provider. That's who he is. And it's not, not just financial, of course, but he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one who provides. He is the Lord, our provider. And I'll never forget that. Uh, I was just so blown away by it. I just I actually for, I forgot to tell people about it. I was telling people about it for a long time because I was just so excited. And I forgot about it until I read <laughs> the Lord is our provider uh, this last week. I was like, that's my chance. Here we go again. So Jehovah Jireh, he is our provider. He provides for every single one of our needs. Our second one today is Yahweh Nisi. And it's, it's, it's this, the Lord is my banner. It comes from Exodus chapter 17, verse 15. It says this, and Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. That's what Moses called it. Israel could rally under the name of God. That's what Israel could do. The Lord's name was a battle cry. Think about that for the, for the Old Testament uh, people of God, is that the Lord's name was a battle cry. You see, the patriarchs of the Old Testament tended to build altars wherever they were located. Isn't that interesting? Wherever they were located, they built an altar for God because they understood they had an obligation to worship consistently. Think about that, a people who were moving all over the place but they had an obligation to worship the Lord consistently. And they followed through with that responsibility. Our responsibility today is to continue to worship the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean I want to see a bunch of stone statues coming out of the back of your backyards all over town through stretching to heaven. But, uh, well, you could do that if you want, but it would look really weird. But uh, the truth is, is that it's our responsibility to worship the Lord. It's our responsibility. Our third one today is Yahweh Mekadesh. All right? I'm, man, I'm feeling good with my pronunciation today. Here we go. The Lord sanctifies. It's from Exodus chapter 31, 13. If uh, you're not into a scripture clinic, you may not have a little trouble today. So just uh, try to follow along. I put it all up on the screen uh, hoping to help people. So Exodus 31, 13. You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So we just watched that video. It was just a comic example of a mom has so much to do, so many uh, things in life that she needs to get done. And she just had to take a moment just to pause, to breathe, right? We're going to talk about that right now. When it, the, the word sanctify, when it comes out of the scripture, it's almost a peaceful tone that it's set in. We are set apart. We are consecrated to the Lord. Here's the thought for you. Holiness is the central revelation of God's characteristics. Let me read it again. Holiness is the central revelation of God's characteristics. God wants and needs us to be set apart. I had a, a few friends um, in high school. We, uh, Arlene and I grew up in Barrie. There was five main high schools at the time. So if you went to church, uh, the people you went to church with 
there would likely be a couple that would be in your high school. That's kind of the way it rolled. And uh, also, um, our high schools were so screwed up. So, like, I lived in one end of town, and I went to high school in the other. We had passed three, three high schools on the way there. It was ridiculous. And uh, I remember uh, getting to high school in grade nine, and there was uh, just because it was just so weird in Barrie. People came from everywhere. It was bizarre. I surprised Pastor. Do you go to high school in Barrie? No. See, Elmville had it together. All right, but uh, believe it or not, but uh, it was it was so crazy. And I remember there was a young a young girl who had a locker a few down from mine, and uh, we knew each other because we'd met over the years. And uh, I remember that uh, she just. <laughs> She, she knew I was a Christian. I knew she was a Christian. But she had zero interest in living a godly way uh, at that point in her life. And uh, I remember that it was my first real lesson when it came to my faith in my life. For some reason, I'm not sure why. But that I was set apart. That I was going to be different than everyone else around me. Even though my friends may, uh, you know, in high school, they want to do crazy, stupid things. Well, my decision was always, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to do something different. And why was that? Because I'm set apart. And when I was in high school, I used to think that when you got out of high school, that that would end. <laughs> I fooled myself. No. <laughs> you just turn into uh, adult age, stupid people is really what happens with a lot of those friends from high school. We had, Some of them are on Facebook still. Okay. And uh, the truth is, is that even in our adult life, that you and I, we are to be, God has told us, God has destined us to be set apart. Uh, the scripture calls it that we are like aliens in our world. That's how we are described in the New Testament. We're aliens in this world. And the truth is, is that our uh, characteristics, who we are, should reflect more of the opposite direction of the way the world is going than the direction the way the world is going. Because you and I, were set apart. That's why we should be different. We should look different. We should sound different. We should uh, have the appearance that is different than those around us. Here's a thought for you, because I, I want to say it again. Holiness is the central revelation of God's characteristics. His characteristic of you is that holiness is inside of you. Is that it, It's within us. God wants us to be set apart. It is... Uh, we're not, to be, we're not to fit in with everything around us necessarily. Even to this day, we need to be different. We need to be set apart. We need to recon, uh, recognize that he has consecrated himself to us. Uh, that's the truth for today. Here's, a, here's our next thought. Above all, above all of that that I've just said, uh, God also wants us to observe the Sabbath. And that's the next part of this text, and that's where our video today comes in. Our prayer would literally be that we would rest that we would stop, that we would cease, and that we would actually become absent from the world so that we can quiet ourselves, so that we can breathe, without my watch telling me how to do it, the breath of God into our life, all right? Our prayer would literally be that we rest, stop, cease, and be absent. We would be absent from the world. We would find our secret place. Uh, the definition of Sabbath actually goes even deeper. It requires us to perish, to die to ourselves. That's what God's asking when he's asking us to rest. Die to yourself. Uh, just take yourself, seclude yourself away for a time. Not forever, <laughs> but for a time so that he can speak to us. 
In this place, God makes us. He makes us holy. He sets us apart. That's what happens in those places. Here's a reminder for you. Sabbath, because it goes the other way too, Sabbath is not an excuse for laziness. I've seen that with people before. Sabbath is not an excuse for laziness. You see, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 33 says this, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Isn't that interesting? Here's another one. Proverbs 10, verse 4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So we need to find the balance. The Lord is shaping us. He's setting us apart. Yahweh Makadesh, the Lord sanctifies. That's what we just talked about. Isn't that amazing? Here's our fourth one for today. Oh, and I'm running out of time. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. Okay, I, didn't want, I don't want to rush this. I don't know what I'm going to do. Anything can happen on Sunday. Okay, Yahweh Shalom, number four. The Lord is peace. This comes from Judges uh, chapter 6, verse, 20, verse 24. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. To this day, it still stands at uh, Ophrah, which belongs to the Abezerites, all right? That's from Judges 6, verse 24. You see, the Lord is peace. God brings well-being, not death, to his people. Let's read a, a short story I, I found this week. I want to share it with you. Noah preached to the old world for 100 years, but only eight souls were saved. Lot preached to the cities of the plain, but only three souls were chosen from them. 600,000 men besides women and children passed through the Red Sea, but only two entered the promised land. Gideon went to fight the Midianites with 32,000 men, but only 300 were allowed to participate in the victory. Many are called, but few are chosen. Few are chosen. God brings well-being, not death, to his people. You see, peace is a gift. Psalms 34, verse 14 says, Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's what the word says. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and the name shall be called Wonderful, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, wicked people don't know peace. Isaiah 48 verse 22 says, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. That's what the scripture says. Yet you and I can have peace with God. I say Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisements that brought us peace. God's peace brings completeness, provision, and deliverance. Let me read it again. God's peace brings completeness, provision, and deliverance. Amen. Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, says this, Then David said to the Philistines, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
You see, David knew what he was up against. Still he knew who was greater, the Lord of hosts. I love, uh, the, if, if you know your scriptures well, you know that this is David fighting Goliath. I love it so much when it says, you come, David says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I love it so much. Uh, here's a little quote here. David also proved he was aware of the great, greatest of his own military resources, the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. Imagine if someone came to you, attack you, and you said, stop right there. <laughs> I've got the Lord of hosts. I'm telling you, they're going to run. They're going to just walk away. It's going to happen. The Lord of hosts. This represents God's power over the nations, just like David over Goliath. That's what David, he was prophesying it, that he has power over the nations through God, just like him over Goliath. He was saying it, and the big brute couldn't even see it coming. This title designates God as king, ruler of Israel, its armies, its temple, and of the entire universe. That's what it represents. The word host infers to us the armies that are at the Lord's disposal. You see, host uh, defines as this in, in my Bible dictionary. Host is a term referring to multitudes of, or armies. A title given to uh, the God of Israel is the Lord of hosts, 1 Samuel 17, 45. The armies may be those of Israel or those of heaven, the latter made up of angels or other beings depicted in God's uh, oh boy, I don't know that word. God's place or court. All right, there's my own interpretation. Associated with the heavenly hosts are heavenly bodies and the forces of nature. The Lord of hosts controls the forces of nature. You know, even just a few days ago on Friday, we were reminded of God's control over the forces of nature. Amos 4 verse 13 says, For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind and declares to man uh, what is his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. He controls all of it. He puts all of it into motion. All of it. By the way, if anyone knows of anyone in Ottawa that we can help, just give me a shout, all right? Because they need, I'm going to figure something out. I'm bound and determined, but if you can help me, that'd be great. Yahweh Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. It's our sixth one. Yahweh Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23, verse 1. Obviously, we would all know this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You see, God is the one who provides loving care for his people. The sovereign ruler of the universe has taken up the task of shepherding us. When we read Psalm 23, verse 1, our response is natural. He is my shepherd. This response becomes as natural as breathing when we say that he's our shepherd. It's just as natural as breathing. You see, God's hands of care and protection are upon us. The Lord is our shepherd and our needs are met. Isn't that amazing? The Lord is our shepherd and our needs are met. Uh, Roger Ellsworth, a, a, a theologian, said this, Christians cannot read David's words without having their thoughts immediately rise to these words from the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That's what Christ has done for you and for me. Here's our seventh one for today. Yahweh, oh boy, this is like 
some kind of Chinese word. I don't even know. It's not Chinese, but it feels like it. Yahweh, tis, who said that? That's okay. That, <laughs> Richard got it. I can't believe it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yahweh. Uh, yeah. Tis, okay. Whatever Richard said. The Lord is our righteousness. That's what it means. The Lord is our righteousness. I, I, I do practice these, but anyways, there we go. Jeremiah uh, 23, verse uh, 5 to 6 says this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his, day, in his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the name Jeremiah gave to God, the righteous king. That's the name he's been given. God would establish a new kingdom of justice for his people. Just like what the prophet Jeremiah says, the same is true for us today. God sees the injustice of his people. He sees the pain. He sees the struggle. God's word promises that he is our righteousness. He will do right by his people. He'll do right with his people. The scripture reminds us that no matter what we, what we face or what we've faced, that God has a plan. Psalm 37 verse 25 says, I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Let me read that again. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there. I, church, I did it. We're on the last one. Ezekiel 48, verse 35. And the name of the city from that time on shall be, the Lord is there. God is there in his dwelling place. He's in the city of the Lord. He's where, he's where he said he would be. This is the name of God associated with the restoration of Jerusalem, God's dwelling place. God is there. He is dwelling among us. I'm I, I just going to close with this. Um, yeah, Jackie, come on up. This is a, a poem I found, and uh, it's not written by a famous author or a theologian, anything like that. But I just thought it so well described the uh, final uh, name we're, we're looking at today, Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there. This is what it says. One of the names of the Lord our God, which speaks of his love and his care, is called in the Hebrew Jehovah Shammah. And it means that the Lord is there. In your hours of sorrow and your times of grief, when your soul seems so filled with despair, reflect on the words of Jehovah Shammah and know in your heart he is there. When you're flat on your back or you're suffering pain and you're feeling that life is not fair, start counting your blessings from Jehovah Shammah. Just think on his love. He is there. When your plans go awry or your dreams fall apart, when your burdens are heavy to bear, lean hard on the promise of Jehovah Shammah. You are never alone. He is there. When the, devil is, when the devil's temptations press hard on your soul and he deviously seeks to ensnare, run quickly to Jesus, 
your Jehovah Shammah, then your battle is won. He is there. When your heart overflows with thanksgiving and praise and you pour out your love in your prayer, there's rejoicing in heaven by Jehovah Shammah. For he hears and we know he is there. I just love that so much. So good, so good, so good. That was a poem written by a student in a seminary class as uh, her instructor had taught this, this name of the Lord. I just love it so much. Jehovah Shammah. He is there. 